All right. Hi. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start with a little bit of ASMR. Stop. <laughs> Should I like smack into the? I'm dead. Stop. <laughs> I'm plucking the negative energy. <laughs> okay, take us away, Nate, on right, the right, interview right. portion. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie hates mouth noises. Unless it's ASMR. I only like them in ASMR. Right, if you're in the car sense. with her, though, yeah, you're done. So you're getting kicked out of the car. Sure, I've like, had personal experience. DM Kylie with just like a video of Me mouth too. noises. Everybody right. DM her mouth noises. Please don't, actually. <laughs> that's mad weird. What, what's, her, what's her Instagram? What's your Instagram? Kylie. K. Uh, K. Shep. Yes, something like that. I think we're wrong. Not us both knowing it. <laughs> Not y'all both being wrong. You better know it's K. It's something. Into the interview. Okay. We go. All right. We're yeah, kidding. Interview don't, we go. don't don't send her videos of, of K Shepherd Five. See, I was right. K Shepherd. Right, all right. Boy, you didn't say that. Uh-huh. Anyway, so the question we've got for y'all today as our uh, first official interviewees on the Black Menaces podcast. Um, what events? What stories? What circumstances? have brought you to be the menaces that you are today. And this can be anything pre-BYU. Mm-hmm. I have two. Oh, okay. You oh, ready? These are, these. I've, I've, yes, they're my two, one of my two most influential moments of my life. Okay. Tell us about them. One was um, in high school. I played basketball growing up. I quit um, because I felt like there was more to life that I needed to do. Right? And I joined student council in debate. Um, so I went jock to nerd pretty quickly. And um, I was at a student council retreat retreat in Texas. Um, there was like 5,000 students there and there was a ton of motivational speakers. Um, and it was a ton of people who, you know, own nonprofits, were just doing beautiful work. And I don't know what it was, but something at that moment in the, that metal chair at the very, very back of the conference room, um, it just inspired me. I literally was sitting there and I... I wrote one of my goals. Um, I was like, I want to start a nonprofit, um, which I didn't even know how to do at all. But I was like, bro, they're doing it and I can do it. Um, and something about that moment just inspired me. I just wanted to make changes. I, I felt like I had a life purpose. Um, and from that exact moment when I was 16 years old, that kind of became my passion of the idea that I wanted to make a change. Whatever it was, wherever it was, um, I had no idea. I was like, maybe it's going to be like with sexual assault victims or maybe it's going to be with single mothers um, two big things in my life. And I was like, I don't know, but that's something I want to do. Right. Followed up a few more years. This is my second event. Um, it was 2020, right after George Floyd was murdered. I did a vigil, right. And I was super excited. She was there. I was super excited. We didn't know each other. (laughs) (laughs) I was super excited because I was like, wow, like I'm doing something, you know, part of what my passion is and making change. Right. And there was things about the vigil that didn't go the way I wanted them to, right? There was like... I remember that. <laughs> there was a few things that just... A few of the speakers said a few... Th- it was just, long story short, it like disappointed me. Um, and it left me with like sadness and disappointment. And I put like my heart and my energy and my mind on the line, right? Just to feel like in in essence it failed. Um, and it's weird that that's in a very impactful moment for me, but to me... That was like one of like the biggest like I was like oh my gosh like I did horrible, um, but that kind of crafted me to become who I am, of like understanding failure and that failure is so key to life, and that you will never be successful and really live out your passion until you felt at your passion, 
And for me, like I worked so hard to try to do something for the black community and just for, you know, people in general, right. To fulfill my passion. Um, and for it to go a little sideways was, was sad for me, but you know, it helped me, you know, understand more about how to plan events or, or, you know, these protests, etc. who to invite, who not to invite. Um, and, and, you know, basically just that. So those are pretty two big moments in my life. I love that. I think that that's so, I still think back to that summer and Sebastian and his brother were really out here doing a lot of political organization. That's what I'll say. You're organizing a lot. And I did not know you that well. I like kind of knew you. So I just think it's funny now that we're like, <laughs> our relationship is the way that it is now. Because back then I was like, who is this guy? Like, doing all this stuff. And I remember after the vigil, I kind of gave you guys a little... <laughs> I remember. <laughs> that hurt. No, I'm sorry. It was good. It was good. I'm you know, sorry. All things are necessary, right? Yeah, I was with my friends, and I remember I gave yeah. them a little piece of what I was upset about, about the vigil. And right. it's, just, it's just funny now. I'm like, right, dang, right, right. no, brother. It's good right. to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. But that's, that's, yeah. that's good to hear. I didn't know that that was so influential yeah. to you. Yeah, it was. Kylie, do you have anything? Um, yeah, actually, I was thinking for a second. Um, I think mine is a little bit later, more towards like my BYU journey, I guess. I think what was like really hard for me just growing up, um, I've talked about it before, but my mom is a very influential person in my life, and she has always raised me to be very like loud, proud, and aggressive is what I like Period. to call her. But, <laughs> and I think growing up, I was so good at standing up for everybody else but never standing up for right. myself. And so I took a lot of microaggressions from people who were friends. I mean, even some family, like people that I cared about. And so for me to say something to them was really hard. So I just never did because mm-hmm. in my eyes, I was like, okay, it's not worth upsetting them, even though I would go home and cry or ask God like why I wasn't enough. And so then when I got to BYU and had a lot of interesting experiences my freshman year and was going through a lot of like, abuse in a relationship that just like carried on for a really long time and to honestly until my junior year and so like I think my journey really happened this last year getting out of the abuse and being silenced for so long and just everything I stood for to really think that like I wasn't worth something and so then getting out of that and like really trying to refine like my power I think and so after like ending that relationship and just realizing that like I am enough and that I can stand up for myself whether it hurts someone or not because my emotions are so valid that in that moment it's more important than what the other person said and so I can say like hey that hurt my feelings that's not right and if you don't like that you can get out of my life move on and so like now like going back to like how my mom raised me into this confident woman who I should be and so now finding that it's kind of like why, I guess, to answer the question, like why I am a menace now, where it's like I was set up with all the right tools. It just took me a second to figure out how to use them. Mm. And so like, yeah, making my mama proud, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, Kylie. And being friends with Kylie and the way that I haven't seen her, really, I, I agree. In this past year, um, like this past school year, I have seen you like transform in such a positive way. Like you were awesome. Not that you were terrible before or anything. Like <laughs> she was awful. great. No, you. she was she was great. But I really like I have seen Kylie reclaim her 
like power and her own personal authority and ability to stand up for what she believes in in a way that I hadn't seen before. And that's just really cool and powerful to see your friends go through that change and seeing them um, step into their own more and be like, no, this is how I feel. And I'm going to say what's on my mind and how I feel and my thoughts, my experiences, my feelings are valid and you're not going to tell me that they aren't. And so I've loved seeing that from you and for you. So thank you. I know it's been definitely, it's been hard and a lot of tears shed. I still kind (laughs) of break down from time to time, but I think it, really has helped me grow. I mean, the Black Ministries is something that, like, I would probably have never done on my own. I'm very, like, not confrontational. Like, Sebastian and I were just joking the other day. I was like, I'm a, he's a frontliner, and I'm the, the girl making the signs in the background. And it's like, <laughs> we every, need everyone. <laughs> yeah, and every job is useful. And so now that I can, I'm like, I'm not a frontliner, maybe like, fifth row but <laughs> i'm working you're, you're my the way ella baker of the the black <laughs> period yeah, and so you I listen s- last week you know <laughs> i know i need to go back and listen but yeah so it's taken <laughs> don't don't this don't judge me fake it's taken me a time it's taken me some time it's just been right. a journey and i think i still am learning things on like trying to educate myself because honestly i tried to stay out of a lot of any controversial political things because it was just easier that way with quotes, I guess, easier. And so now I think I am feeling a lot of things at once, like kind of going back to like you mentioning George Floyd, like in all honesty, I didn't look into any of it when it was going on because I knew it was going to hurt. So I just Mm -hmm. didn't talk about it and I didn't read anything. And so now kind of going back and really understanding what happened is a lot. And so I'm like feeling a lot of things after everybody else, but it's still, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, and I think every black person in some degree, I mean, if you haven't, that's kind of, I mean, everyone has their own journey, but I feel like a lot of black people who exist in white spaces at some degree, you have some experience like that, Kylie, where I think you choose to not engage in either that's political things or just racial things because it's easier. It's too heavy. It's like, this is a lot. I'm this, I know what this means. Like you've either heard it from your family or you've experienced it personally. And so you choose to remove yourself or just not be involved. And so I don't think you're alone in that because I've had, I've done that to some degree at different points in my life. And I feel like a lot of black people can relate to that. Well, it's like what, I mean, just recently, like with the Brad Wilcox thing and like us going to the classroom and all of those things. I'd like, if you would have asked me like a year ago and this happened, I would have been so far removed from every single one of you. But then like actually being involved in this one and then like knowing the emotions and feeling the stress was a lot because I was it like, was. I was like, oh my gosh, now I, but then at the same time I was like, now I understand why everybody was like, it takes a toll on your mental health mm-hmm. and there are things that are going on. And so it is a hard balance of like, how much do I let in? But I think what I've learned is like letting it in also helps me cope. And so it's yeah. like, I don't know. I like have learned to like build a layer of like thick skin of like, I can let it affect me. But now what am I going to do with that anger? Yeah, because I think that that's the struggle is like that's the balance that I feel like we're going to be figuring out for the rest of our life is if we don't do anything about it. For me personally, that's anguish for me. That's really hard. That's heavy for me if I choose to sit back 
and then I feel like, oh, if no one does anything, then what's like, what's going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. who's going to say something? Like, I feel like this almost responsibility, right? Like, I'm loud. I'm annoying. I don't mind confrontation. And I feel like God blessed me this way for a reason. And I have to stand up for people who don't want to. But then it's like when I'm over-involved, I'm depressed. I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I get upset. And so I have to pick and choose my battles and really mm-hmm. take care of that mental mm-hmm. health like you were talking about. Because it's, it's just really hard. And I feel like everyone here can relate to that in some Absolutely. way. Um, and that's the hard part about being a black person in America and why we need ec- we need equity because these are just things and conversations and stresses certain groups don't have. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't talk about it. Like everybody wants to ask black people, like, what can I do? How can I do this? What can I do to be better? And it's like those questions are great, but I don't think what they, what they don't see is right. the stress that that puts on yep. us. Like mm-hmm. when you ask one person, what can I do? It's like my experience is so much different than every single one of us. Like Nate has gone through things, Sebastian, Rachel, like we have all gone through different things. So our answer, I think we all have like a generic answer at this point where it's like, right. do, your, <laughs> do your research. No, I'm that. dead. And it's like, Nate, yeah. what can I do? It's, you can. <laughs> opens the notes app. Yeah, exactly. Let me read what I wrote last week. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I think one of the biggest things is like finding that balance, but also I guess in a more genuine answer of like, what can, I'm changing the subject, but anytime any of the listeners want to ask that question again, I think a more genuine answer is just like, understand that we are people and realizing that you're asking heavy questions that have heavy answers. And so if you want to do something, just do it. You know what to do. It's common sense. I mean, how would you feel if Anytime you have felt like you were less than or othered in any situation, whether your pants didn't match or your shoe was untied and someone made fun of you, all of those like little experiences, I feel like yeah. th- we all know those feelings. We right. all have the same feeling, like the list of feelings. It's the same that, emotion. Yeah, that's it's how I'm It's triggered by different things, yes. but it's the same emotion right. that exactly. we all feel. And so it's like, next time you ask that question, just think like, what would you do if you felt alone? Like, just do it. And even if it's wrong, keep going. Because that's all we're doing, like we're all just trying to figure life out and right. figure out how to make it the best for everyone not just black people and not just white people but every single person who's different mm. so, yeah, period I'm talking. Sorry, friends. Carly always preaching facts no she really does mm. when you get her going she'd be, be, be like profound. go I know. Go yeah, it's, off, it's just in there this is what I ramble <laughs> on at night Thank no you I love it cool let me think I'm trying to decide whether or not I should ask this question Ask it. Kylie said, it. "Just do it." Just a second ago, so yeah. do all right, it. All right. <laughs> they can if, it's, if the podcast is too long today. They can listen to it on one point five speed. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd be doing. So no, I don't know. maybe, <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe. any podcast, but that's just that's I think that's anxiety. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is too slow. I feel you, you know, yeah, they be talking mad slow. If uh, <laughs> who, who me? No, no just everybody. Oh, no, I listen to audiobooks. No, I listened to them yeah, on oh, 1.5 I'd be speeding speed. up audiobooks. It was the first mm-hmm. day. It said an hour. I said, mm, I can listen to this in 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> For real. They're lucky they don't got 3.0 speed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's too fast. <laughs> no, Sebastian's a 2.0. I am. Okay, yeah. 2.0 is too fast. My brain doesn't process anything. I'm like, uh. 2.0 is when I didn't do the homework <laughs> and I got uh, to do a reading question. You, you the test due at midnight and it's 11.30 and you I live at 2.0. 2.0 and go to sleep and just like it soaks in right yeah <laughs> but uh okay so this question i don't know if i need to i can cut it out and maybe we'll just like keep this one exclusively for the patreon okay, or something. okay but a lot of people want to know about uh where we stand with the church right you know oh. if we're in the church and all this kind of stuff 
So I don't know. I feel like we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah. But if you are comfortable answering the question, maybe this is where, for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to really answer, yeah. if you want to start on, if you want to hear more about this, yeah, I tell you, we gonna make this exclusive. Yeah, we'll yeah we're gonna this on the Patreon. Our I, I can't really put myself out there like to that. our diehards, right? So um, if you if you want to hear the answer to this question, subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> Uh, Menace Society, <laughs> but uh, for our loyal Patreon listeners, um, Kylie and Sebastian, where would you say that you stand with the church, and where do you say that you want to end up, where as far as the church is concerned? Um, but thank you guys for tuning in today with us with the Black Menace Podcast with our special guests Kylie Shepherd and Sebastian Stewart Johnson. Thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for joining us, and make sure to. Um, subscribe to the Patreon for our exclusive content, especially um, some wonderful conversations that we've had today. And um, also to email us at the Black Menace Podcast at gmail.com with any questions you have. There's no the, though. It's just Black Menace Podcast. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Black Menace Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Get it right. You're right. Yes. Um, and email us with any questions you have. And questions, sure to, menace moments, okay, experiences. Yes, menace moments, yeah, too. Because we want to share those, too. We'll share history ones, but we also want to share your menace moments, too. Thank you, guys. Period. Per. <laughs> Everybody say per on three. That's what we're going to end, everyone. One, two, three. Per. Outro music. Fading away. to the next question then do you want to read it Nate, or do you want me to oh you can read it okay our next question it's kind of long so um okay so they said pretty i said we all know black folks are not a monolith and can vary in political ideology that being said in regards to the byu videos what are your thoughts on political engagement in utah for pro-black pro-lgbtq pro-choice communities that are not in salt lake city i'm born and raised in utah and basically outside the lake Salt Lake, the GOP rules the roost. Um, what are your experiences with local elections and by extension candidates in areas such as provost? I can talk on this one. I've done a lot with like local and like local elections and stuff. And, and honestly, this question applies to anybody that's in a heavy conservative place. Um, one thing that is super important, one is to always vote, of course. Um, and the reality is, yes, there is going to be very large it's going to be if you're in a conservative place you're probably going to be voting for a conservative person in in different ways in different times um and i think the best that you can do say a, a more liberal person will not win and isn't going to win right vote for the best conservative person um be active in your community you know work to persuade people of different opinions you know, do what you can to be an activist in your community to advocate for the people that you are fighting for. Um, you know, talk in, you know, to the mayor and to the city council. Um, work to create legislation in the city council because they do run the whole, you know, legislative body of your city. Um, so honestly, like, if you're not in a heavy liberal place, 
vote for who you think would be the best out of the conservative candidates um, because you please vote, always vote. Um, and then also by yourself work to make the changes that you want to see. And if there is nobody to run, you can always run too. Like you don't have to be silent. You can be a city official being a city councilman in most cities, especially in like small population cities doesn't require much, maybe like one day a week. Um, and so if you want to have a voice, be a voice um, and figure out a way to construct a platform that would fit in in the in the in the location that you live in without compromising your ethics. But be active as much as you can. Always be active. I think uh, any one person can make a huge difference, right? If you look at uh, what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia, right. I won't say that she single-handedly, but she kind of did. No, she did. She was the she driving force. Driving yeah, she force. was the driving force mm-hmm. behind um, the events uh, that happened that went down in Georgia during the 2020 election. Right, basically, she went out, started what a couple years before because she tried to run for yeah. So she tried to run for governor in Georgia, and because of um, you know voting laws and and just you know gerrymandering and all that kind of stuff that went on uh she basically was cheated out of uh out of her gubernatorial 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 uh, election that's a hard word it is, it is a hard, it i've is. never had like to say it. that out loud in my life i always life. say governor's race <laughs> right <laughs> she was running for governor all right and basically it didn't work out um but it wasn't due to any she should have won it but because of of the way that georgia's sorry georgia's laws are set up um, it was basically kind of taken right. away from her. And so in 2018, she went out and she started, um, what's the word I'm looking Registering. for? Registering black people to vote, uh, mobilizing. That's the word I'm looking for. She started mobilizing black people to vote, getting them registered. Um, and so when the 2020 election rolled around, all of these uh, right. black people that hadn't been registered before went and voted. And they turned the entire state of Georgia blue. Come and on if you now. Look, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of, of thousands, people. yeah. And yes. if you look on the... Um, if you look on the electoral map for the state of Georgia, you'll see that all the surrounding, like every part of Georgia is red, except for like a couple of hot spots near Atlanta. And then I think maybe like a couple of surrounding counties. But those mm-hmm. few counties that she was doing that work in were enough to turn the entire state of Georgia uh, for uh for Joe Biden in the electoral, which um, saved us. In the electoral, right, right, exactly. No, it was <laughs> because, no, literally. Yeah, Donald Trump was very yeah. much expecting to win that state, and yeah. when he didn't, it kind of sent them into a panic. And you know, mm-hmm. we know that eventually they lost um, the election. But one person can make a huge difference. Um, I think I feel like the underlying question here was kind of like, is it worth being politically active in a place that's so far one way? And I mean, the answer is always going to be yes. It's always worth it. You never know what kind of a difference right. you can make. Um, and you just have to start small. And one more thing is there's so many more people like you. You just don't know them, right? Like something that I found is with Black Menaces as we started, we found so many more people who are advocates for, you know, Black people or the queer community, like follow the line, right? Um, than I knew or thought there was beforehand at BYU and just in Utah in general. And so there's so many more people like you, but like Nate was saying, maybe you're the catalyst that mobilizes thousands of people towards a good common goal. Um, and if it is, then that's beautiful, right? But you never know unless you're d- being active and doing something. Yeah, and I also want to add that if there aren't local leaders um, who are standing for what you support and what is important to you, if you vote for them or you are um, politically active, 
you can hold these leaders accountable right. and you can go mm-hmm. in and be like, so you are my elected official. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility to do things that are important to me and make noise. Do you know how many videos I've seen of local um, council? I don't know if they're like, I've seen so many different things around the United States where they're just everyday people going in and going off on their local elite leaders, um, holding them accountable, saying, why are you doing this? This is not what the people want. What's going on here? And those things make a big difference. And that can get people out of office. That can get people to actually do what they're supposed to do. And so I think that that's also important to remember is that you hold these people accountable at the end of the day because they represent you and your needs. And even if you aren't the majority, your needs are still important. Right. And um, finding that community that what Sebastian and Nate have been talking about, if you have a community with you and saying, hey, there's a group of us here that care about this. There are people under your um, jurisdiction that you need to care about these things. Here, here we are and hear our voices. Um, because a lot of these meetings and things that a lot of political leaders have are open to anyone and you can go and there's normally time for you to speak. Mm -hmm. And so looking that up and finding that is also um, really important too. And letting them know we're watching you and what you're doing and you better act right. (laughs) Period. I think that's it for us today. We don't have any other questions that we want to answer. Um, Interviews. Yes. I look good. No, we look hella good, actually. I got the Hoochie Daddy season shorts on. Boop, 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 It's a I want a chocolate. Okay. Yes, I do. Welcome. Are you going to do a little intro? Yeah. Now? Intro. Okay. All right. In Okay, I read, so much want to just play down. around right now. It's this bad. is not a joke. All right, all right, all right. Testing one, two, one, two. Why can't I hear nothing? What's going on? Yeah, what's wrong with yours, bro? Three, two, one, three, two, one. I don't uh, hear you. It's not there. I it, I heard the tap a little bit. Testing one, two. Right ear. It says on the thing. It says what? Right ear. Right. Escribir. What that mean? <laughs> Nigga, we don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Niga, <laughs> traduce eso. Tú eres. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I am Nate, and my other host over here is... What are you laughing at? Really you with me, too. Because <laughs> this nigga Sebastian and I'm like... <laughs> like, they go hit that shit hella loud. I say you let you it go. Everything from now on is part of the podcast. I like it. No, look, if we, I'm, no. How much time do you think I got? I got a full-time job. I can't be out here editing Sebastian's mouth out here. Okay, well, we're going to start Sebastian's from here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, start from the beginning. And you back right. up. Uh, unless you're speaking, you're in the back. Gee whiz. Gee whiz. Damn. Not gee whiz. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. As you can see, we got the ratchet folks in here. Sebastian Stewart yes, Johnson. Sir. And Miss Kylie Shepard. Uh, and then my wonderful host over there. Rachel Weaver. Yes. Per. Yeah, we are super excited to be here. 
Uh, and today you're going to get to know your menace family just a little bit better than you did before. Yes. All right. So before we start anything off, you know, we got to start with a menace moment. And since it's Pride Month, we're going to focus on a pillar in the black history and black gay history Speak community. Okay. Mrs. Marsha P. Johnson. Or would it be Miss? I guess it would be Miss Marsha P. Johnson. Anyway, Marsha P. Johnson was born in 1945 to Malcolm Michaels Jr. and Alberta Claiborne Michaels. Wait. I said that wrong. Hold on. Marsha was born Malcolm Michaels Jr. to Malcolm Michaels Sr. and Alberta Claiborne Michaels. Okay, right. thank you. After graduating <laughs> high school, she enrolled in the United States Navy for a brief stint, but then relocated to New York's Greenwich Village to discover herself. Mm. As a transient in New York's Greenwich Village, she turned to prostitution in order to survive, and she made a name for herself as a drag queen uh, with her unique styles and designs and costumes and things like that. And eventually, she went on to tour the world as a drag queen. Queen. During her Period. discovery phase, she was known as Malcolm and Black Marsha before settling on Marsha P. Johnson. And the P, I thought this was dope. It stands for Pay It No Mind. So Marsha, yes, Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson. All right, now, Marsha. All right. She became known as a drag mother and she helped struggling LGBTQ youth, always putting others before herself, even as she struggled with her own mental health issues. She was on the front lines of the LGBTQ liberation yes, movement in the 1969 Stonewall riots mm -hmm. that eventually became known as the first Pride celebration. She was one of the first people to kind of stand up to the police and really kind of instigate the events that right. started there. Um, after the Stonewall riots, she co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, also known as STAR, with her friend Sylvia Rivera to help trans youth in New York. California, Chicago, and England, which I thought was interesting. That's good. And then, unfortunately, this doesn't have a happy ending. In 1992, her body was found in the Hudson River. Wow. And police yeah. ruled it a suicide, despite multiple testimonies from friends that she was not suicidal. Tough. I'll tell you what, man. Mm. It seems like as much as people love to uh, talk about how you know the police are there for you or whatnot, it just seems like they don't actually be there for anybody on anything. I mean. Facts. I think sometimes it's like the priority of the case. And so she already had so many things going against her. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh, like, it's just easier to say it was a suicide. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. And we won't get into all of that. That's just that, you know, police. Yeah. That's a story Different for another time. That's, right. that's a whole nother episode. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother episode. We will t we'll talk about that eventually. But yeah, so just really quick to introduce our hosts. We just want you all to introduce yourselves very briefly. And uh, then we'll answer a couple of questions. But you want to just give like a quick 30-second intro to yourself? Starting um, with you, Kylie. Yeah, um, I'm Kylie, part of the Black Menaces. I'm going to be a senior at BYU. What, what? Uh, I know, it's like <laughs> period. Um, I'm studying psychology in hopes to be a lot of different things. It just depends on uh, what I'm more motivated by, uh, money or, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm from we California. Understand. And yeah, just excited to graduate. I'm Sebastian Stewart Johnson, originally from Dallas, Texas. I'm a poli sci major, hopes to go to law school, be a politician, Obama 2.0, one day. Gang, gang. So, no, you're Sebastian no, no, no. Stewart Johnson. Johnson 1.0, original, no recreation. Yes, that's also true. Um, anyways, that's me. Happy. <laughs> Rachel, you want to take us into the first question? Um, yes. So I'm going to take us to one of the questions that we got um, 
um, in our email. And if you guys ever want to email us questions that we answer on the podcast, email us at, um, sorry to make sure I'm getting it right, blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. So this question. Do that. Yes. <laughs> this question says, how would you address someone if they respond saying they agree with the statement, Black Lives Matter, but not the organization itself? And this person said, I find myself in this camp because something I've seen on the BLM website is that they do not support the nuclear nuclear family, one mom and one dad. Um, if you would, I and I think others would love to hear your thoughts. Have a great day. So does anybody want to take that um, first or give their thoughts or opinions? And we can have a little discussion about that comment <laughs> question I, th- I think in particular when it comes to the nuclear family nuclear family right is you know the black community we've had to adapt so much um the only reason you know like we find any times like black men or black mothers not with the family in large part is due to government involvement amen um you know we've seen the war on drugs and which was just translated to be a war on black people um, and we saw the prison population go from 300,000 in the 70s to 3 million um, or 2 million. Um, and so really, it's a it's attack on black people. And it was. And so as black people, we've had to adapt and learn how to grow, especially black women. They've had to raise a lot of black people on their own and black children. Um, I just want to say along as a caveat that black families are the most likely to have both of their parents involved in the, in like with their children as well. So it's not a stigma that black children don't have their, both of their parents involved in their life. Um, it's actually just a, a false reality because mm-hmm. we do. Um, I think kind of along the same idea of like the nuclear family, besides like just looking very stereotypical family of like a mom and a dad, most kind of I guess basically what you're saying that already isolates so many people so besides getting into families that have two moms Mm -hmm. or two dads or whatever like as someone who was raised by a single parent but then my mom was able to get married so now I have a dad like it just uh, the idea of a nuclear family already isolates so many like heterosexual relationships let alone like same-sex relationships so it's like it is just so isolating and so not normal like most people don't have nuclear families and then the idea of like supporting the phrase black lives matter not the organization i mean you can't do that with like many things because they go hand in hand like if i say black lives matter and you're like okay which one and you need me to clarify there's issues in that so you can't support one without supporting the other amen um i think I totally agree with everything that you both have said. And I think what's really hard is when people say they don't support the nuclear family, I think that's rooted in Christianity and this idea that families need to look a certain way, like what Kylie was saying. And I think that that's a whole separate issue, right? That we're addressing that. um, What does family really mean? Because there's so many people in our lives that we all consider family that aren't related to us. And so we need to, I think the definition of family is changing and is growing. And I don't think that that's a wrong thing. I think what family means is becoming more encompassing. It's expanding. It's not so divided to brother, sister, mother, father. Like it's just who you love and who you want to be in your life. And what I've read on the Black Lives Matter website or whatever statement that people refer to, 
the statement isn't saying that it doesn't support the nuclear family of a mom and a dad. It's just saying that it supports all family styles, what you were saying, um, Kylie, um, all identities that people have because when Nate highlighted before talking about trans women, in order to say Black Lives Matter, you can't just say, oh, Black Lives Matter when it applies to a straight, cisgender, black woman or man. Black Lives Matter for queer black people, for black people who are transgender, it is encompassing to all those things. And to me, when I read the statement, that's what that meant to me, that it's not just saying one type of black life matters, but all black lives matter um, in whatever identity you are a part of. Um, and so I, I find it frustrating when people say that because to me, it was just trying to be more inclusive and more encompassing of different people's experiences, not exclusive. I don't mm, know, right. but based on what I've read yeah. and how I've interpreted the statements. Uh, everything has pretty much been said. I, you know, the only thing I would add is that, um, you know, when you look into, I guess, the root of the word conservatism, it's to keep things the same, right? Mm -hmm. Or to kind of like preserve something that's already there. Um, and so, you know, the only people that have a problem with that phrasing in the, the Black Lives Matter website um, are people who are trying to conserve this idea of uh, a man and a woman married with children. And the reality is that that just doesn't exist as or as commonly anymore because, you know, the divorce rate has been 50 percent for quite some time. So there are a lot of people out there uh, who who don't have two parents in the home. There are a lot of people who have two dads there are a lot of people who have two moms there are a lot of people who have, you know, just a single parent. Right. And so, um, you know, that's not they're trying to conserve an idea. And saying that, oh, they're against the idea of a man and a woman and two kids or not, two, you know, but like 2.5 <laughs> kids, whatever the average is. Right. They're not, you know, Black Lives Matter is not against that idea. They're against the idea that that is the only thing that exists. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when you dive into a lot of conservative mindsets, um, the root of it is trying to preserve an idea mm -hmm. or a belief that just isn't consistent with the way that the world is. Um, you know, and it's not because we're degenerating morally or anything like that. It's just because things change. Society changes. Capitalism affects a lot of things. Politics affect Period. a lot of things. <laughs> And uh, we can't live in the past. We can't conserve certain ideas and certain ways of being. Yeah. Big facts. And I think the only thing I want to add on that is I just took a, my capstone class um, to graduate. One of them was a family sociology class. And we Ooh. talked about this. Yeah, I think. <laughs> but we talked a lot about this, just like family and what it means and how the definition is changing and how we need to catch up as like a society in terms of like IL deals, but also like policy wise. Um, we can get off into like other things, but like there's a lot of things that need to change to catch up with how the family is changing and what that means. And I think what you were saying, conservatism, conservatism, they're really trying to conserve the idea of what the air quote original family in the United States was based off of, which was rooted in Christianity. And I think which is um, crazy because Jesus had a stepdaddy. Oh, damn. Silence. No, my, drop the mic, <laughs> Kylie. Yeah. Seriously. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. and so that's like, this is a complete tangent. No, but it is, go. it's like, yeah. we, like, Christianity is founded on, like, or just like the LDS church is, fam is founded on the family proclamation and having a family and having children and raising children. And we push all of these big things. But unless your children come out of a woman's body, you have a husband, you don't work, you, like, all of these very, like these things that we are trained to do anything that doesn't look like that is wrong which to me is so like I want to say a different thing but it's just so messed up because it's like <laughs> there's so many children in the world who don't have families and so we 
like if you have two moms all of a sudden that's bad it's like all i see is two women who are taking care of children that need to be taken care of and then there's so many families who have that nuclear family and their kids are jacked up and need a ton of therapy and are awful and they're in an awful marriage that is like the only reason why they're not in divorce is because they have kids so like i just don't understand why we push something that's not working right yeah most of the time and this is why like policy changes for like family leave and maternity leave and i say family leave because we need paternity and maternity leave like for both parents um no matter what the status of the relationship is, like both people should be able to have time home with their newborn child. And so that's part of the reason why there's only, there's not a lot of push for change because it's the deep seated idea that women should not be working overall, that women should be at home, that why do you need time off? You shouldn't have a job anyway. If you do take time off, like we are encouraging you to stay at home. We're not creating a way for you to be able to do both. Um, And it's also not encompassing to people who have two dads because some languages at some works are like the birth giving parents. Mm-hmm. What if both parents are fathers and they did not give birth to their newborn child? Now what are they supposed to do? They only get four weeks right. off? Exactly. Right. That's or crazy. Even that, it's like, well, what if I adopted my child? Yep. And so I didn't give birth to yep. them, but so that makes him less my child. We can get into those yeah. whole thing. No, this yeah. whole thing Again, is founded on patriarchy. It's, it's, yeah. So we can no. go back into that. Amen. But that's a different, different episode, different time. But yes. No, We're going to be back for sure. <laughs> But uh, to to bring it back around really quick to just like the the controversy, I guess, surrounding Black Lives Matter, because people say, oh, I support the movement, but not the organization is I think it was a you, Kylie, that said, you know, you can't support one without supporting the other. And people, you know, when we asked the question on campus, people were saying, oh, well, you know, they've done some stuff financially that this and that and this. But you know what? Those people also probably voted for Trump, who, you know, his whole his whole career is a financial lie. Right. (laughs) Have you ever looked at like the government or Red Cross? Or like any other NGO in the world, mm-hmm. they're like mad crows. Right. And so you got to look at what they stand for and what Black Lives Matter stands for, which is the liberation and the, the freedom of all black people um, in all experiences and all walks of life. I think that's what's important. And so, yes, I will continue to support them. Um, and, you know, the financial controversy or any other kind of controversy um, like that is not really going to uh, dissuade me. Especially since, you know, technically we're all still members of a church that be using I was just going to say that <laughs> if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints oh, and you want to call out the Black Lives Matter organization for financial uh, questionable purchases or whatever's happening. Right. Well, we, we you should mall. be headed down to Salt Lake to the church office building and ask them some questions, too, right. because there have been questionable things done in any organization. Like you say, humans are flawed and humans are going to make mistakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for you to hold so this organization, OK, speak right. on it. Take right. us to church, somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it won't be me, but we can do it. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the controversy surrounding Black Lives Matter uh, financially is that the. Uh, the founder of Black Lives Matter, they, well, they had the Black Lives Matter organization owns a mansion that they use for different events and things like that, and she used that mansion for her son's, I think, sixth birthday party or something, a birthday party for her son. She used that, and then also she gave a significant amount of money to one of her relatives for security, and it was an exorbitant amount, like a few hundred thousand. Um, and so, you know, people are saying, oh, she's been misappropriating funds and things like that. And, you know, while that may Wasn't be... Wasn't the sibling black? 
There you go. Back yeah. to the people. We're right. Dead. Back so to the people. No, honestly. <laughs> black lives. If you ask she another black person, they're going to be like, cool, take care of your people. You wouldn't be mad if that was your money. And so, you know, is it is it is it ideal? No. Uh, is it something that I necessarily commend? Well, definitely not. However, it's not enough to dissuade me from the overall meaning and message of what Black Lives Matter is trying to accomplish. And uh, I definitely see this as, you know, people trying to use it as a tool to discredit Black Lives Matter and say Absolutely. that the whole movement is no good, which obviously is ridiculous. Right, right, right. Yeah.